Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Kinstead Wealth, where they give private investors access to the best asset class managers in the world. As a business owner who simply did not have the time nor the knowledge to manage my own financial assets, I was always on the hunt for a partner that would be able to give me access to something more than the stock market. Two years ago, I was introduced to Kinstead Wealth, and my eyes were open to an entirely new set of possibilities. Their pension endowment style approach to portfolio management allowed a portion of my portfolio to be allocated to non-traditional assets such as private equity, private agriculture, private real estate, and private infrastructure, amongst others. This allowed me to have access to non-traditional assets that have return expectations superior to public stocks while having lower volatility. With these assets added to my traditional portfolio, I had the opportunity to enhance my returns and lower my volatility overall. You may be asking yourself, what do you mean by non-traditional assets? In short, these are institutional quality assets that are not promoted to the retail market, but to the pension, endowment, foundations, and family offices due to the fact that their minimums are very high. By partnering with Kinset as an investor, I was able to gain access to these financial vehicles that are typically out of reach for most people. To learn more about how Kinset can help you and your family, please visit them today at www.kinstead.com. Kinstead Wealth is a very proud member of our community and donates 1% of their top-line revenue every year to the charitable sector. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Jason McFadden. What's going on, Jason? Hey, how's it going? I'm super good, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Jason, you and I have known each other for a couple of years. You're based out of Toronto. It's for a lot of my audiences, Calgary-based, so I want to give them a little bit of the backstory. You work for a company, you're vice president of growth at Build With Assembly. And we've, as, as our agency, Clear Motive, we've worked with you guys in kind of different iterations, but you and I have kind of got to know each other over the last couple of years as your organization has also evolved. And you guys have yep. changed with the times, which I think is the, really the theme of this conversation. But before yes. we dive into the big word of digital transformation and all the things that that means... Tell us a little bit, to give us the elevator pitch, what is Build with Assembly? Yeah, so we build cloud-native software that simplifies how you do business. We work with enterprise organizations, scale-ups, and, uh, and mid-market businesses that are all trying to adapt to a digital economy. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, geez. All right, I got 20 floors to go, so now I can start. Yeah. I can start I, I, when you say cloud native, and I don't want to make, I never yeah. want to make any assumptions on the show because we've got audience members from all different walks of life, some being very well versed in what we're going to talk about today, some listening in specifically to learn. So when you say cloud native, just give us break, give, define that one for us for a second. So we're building software that lives in the cloud, right? So okay. it's accessible. So it start, it's, you're, it start, you're not moving from an on prem to a cloud solution. You're taking somebody like they might have had something, an idea, a, a, a way to revolutionize. The, their business and the way that it serves clients, but you guys start with the cloud, you build from that perspective. Yeah. So, I mean, today that's what we do in the past. I mean, we do have, you know, some organizations that are still on-prem because of the very nature of their business, right? With that regulations or compliancy. And so we do uh, some work on-prem, but a lot of the goal now is as most organizations are trying to become digital is get into the cloud. And so our advantage is because we're cloud native and we've been like that for, for many, many years, you can take that uh, that experience and that uh, that future ready solutions that we've built for others and apply that to you know the applications that they might be thinking about modernizing to go into the cloud to then take advantage of things like uh, AI or machine learning or mm, you know exactly. exposing data to a larger audience. Well. I think this is a great way to set the stage. You recently sent me an article. I don't think it's gone live yet, but you shared it no. with me, which is kind of what stimulated you and I kind of having this conversation. I love your opening line. Becoming a digital business is no longer an option. 
I, I think it would be hard to disagree with that. But at the same time, I would argue that a lot of people might define a couple key words in there differently. One being digital business. So let's right. set the stage and this is, okay, we're back in the elevator, but we're on the ground floor. We're going to build okay. up from here. Ground Perfect. floor, what, is, what, is it to me, what does it mean to you or certainly the way you see the world to become a digital business? How would you define that for somebody who's like, whoa, wait, I, I have a website, I'm digital. What are you talking about? So I think it's, uh, it might be a longer way to answer this question, but I think what's happened is we can now all agree that digital technologies become a basic human need. And as a result, okay. most businesses are now looking at it as a crucial enabler and a competitive differentiator for their organization. And, um, and, a, and you know, one of the key successes for their growth in the future. And so this transformation was inspired by big tech and digital first companies. And they leveraged technology, but they also had a lot of other things working for them uh, to deliver these personalized, valuable, and immediate uh, digital experiences. And as a result, it's fundamentally reshaped all of our experiences uh, and what we expect from mm. companies that we work with, you know, um, purchase from. And, you know, so much so that it's our new normal. 88% of us are expecting businesses to accelerate their digital initiatives on this goal and this journey to become a digital business. I love what you said, and I, I think that's an interesting way to differentiate it. Is like what I ex I don't sit here as a consumer and go, I expect you to be digital. What I do yeah. is I sit here as a consumer and I expect you to give me things exactly the way I want them, that they fit into my life, that they feel very yeah. pers they feel highly personalized as yeah. we hold these. Like an iPhone is a very selfish device because it's my device and it does everything <laughs> I want in the way I want it. And the yeah. apps that I interact with or the tools on that phone also give me things in the way that I want it from my Peloton experience of yeah. my own workout in my home to my Uber and my, 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 my yeah. dot, 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 dot. That level of personalization yeah. of, around what we expect, we've become so much more centric on like, I don't want Jason's experience. I want Tyler's experience. And you better know company A, B, or C yeah. exactly what that is, but don't make it creepy. Cause then I'm yeah. going to, then I'm <laughs> going to hold you accountable for that. Right. And so when you're dealing with companies, I guess in the conversations that you have with potential and existing clients, how much yeah. of it is that true blue sky thinking about how can we change and like revolutionize what we do to really augment customer experience versus yeah. companies that are playing catch up. And I say that very so, respectfully because I think yeah. we're all playing catch up in one degree to another. <laughs> so let's talk about the companies that are the, the kind of set the stage and are you know writing the playbook. So those are organizations like you just mentioned, the Pelotons, the Shopify's of the world. They leverage technology, hardware, and and production to accomplish some really ambitious goals. And so, for example, example what Peloton and Shopify both have in common is you know for Shopify they're making commerce better for everyone. For Peloton. They're bringing the experience of going into originally a spin studio and bringing that to your home and creating that sense of community. And so really what they did is they created interlinked experiences that blended digital and physical worlds together. And for example, that's one thing that, you know, becoming a digital business is about. It's, you know, how do we make it easier and more accessible to, you know, reach our customers, uh, make our employees' lives um, more efficient and also help our businesses grow. Um, I noticed we're both wearing glasses. So Barbie Parker is another great example. During COVID, um, I couldn't see very very well because my uh, my prescription had changed. But I didn't want to go into the stores and, and try on a whole bunch of glasses that you know some other people had tried on. And they had launched a, a, a virtual try on uh, feature within their app. And so instantly now I can try on a whole bunch of different glasses and see which ones look great and order them right from the comfort of my home. But for the employee, they also created this amazing, you know, they elevated the experience. They didn't have to see as many people in the day and they were more safe, um, you know, because there were less people going in the store. 
But the other thing is that business was now able to service a larger audience. If you look at Warby Park, they're mainly in major cities, and now they have a much larger geographical footprint. But because they were built as a technology company, they, could, they built that feature so quickly, and they had the infrastructure, they were in the cloud, they had their, their processes and their ways of working established, that they could do that faster than others that do the same thing as them. And so that's kind of what, you know, another element of being a digital business is being able to have continuous momentum. That, that actually on that alone, kind of feeding into the same question around how much easier it is for somebody who's, and I don't want to be careful with the word easier because that was no, yeah. that, that wasn't easy what they built, but they no. weren't trying to unbuild something else. They were just no. like a clean slate versus, so when you deal with companies, I imagine you said you deal with scale-ups right to enterprise. Yeah. What percentage of your business is companies that are already, they already have a way of doing it. They're now switching yeah. to a way of doing it better versus the example yes. you just said. These were guys yeah. that sat around or guys and gals and said, Okay, we we hate the old way. Like we're gonna yeah. that's broken. Let's make a new way. That's two very different conversations, I imagine, from your perspective yes. in the room with these with these groups. Yeah, so I would say you know about eighty percent of our business is helping the organizations who want to become digital, and that you know have an established way of doing things today, and they they know that the future of their organization needs to be digital, and it needs to be at the core of their business, and as such, they're working with organizations like us to help them, you know, increase their capacity to innovate today, but also to be able to help their teams grow, um, you know, whether that be through their skill set or just, you know, understanding new ways of working. Um, yeah, so about 80%. How, mu- how, how, much, how much is, when you, when you go into those rooms, I'm guessing I'm like thinking about these companies, how much, do they know they need to do better and do they know what that is or are they often in a position, and I'm just thinking about everybody listening because this is a conversation that's on everyone's desk. It's at every strategic planning session. Yeah. We need to quote unquote do better. We need to be quote unquote more digital. And again, I'm yeah. really oversimplifying it, but I guess yeah. how much of that journey is figuring out even what problem to start solving first? I think a lot of organizations know um, why they need to do what they need, to, why they need to do it and what they need to do the challenges, the and, and what's so what's not clear for them is how to successfully transform okay. as their industry is being disrupted and being reconfigured right in front of their faces. Mm, interesting. Right? So does that lead into another stat that yeah, I love? I love a good stat because yeah. you can talk yeah, for hours course. on it. Eighty-four yeah. percent of digital transformations failed last year, yes. and the forecast is that like three point yes. three trillion dollars will be invested. So let's just run yeah. the numbers. Three point three trillion invested. 84% of that money. So we're only going to have a 16% win rate on that. Man, yeah. we're in VC territory. Like we're, we've got a yeah. couple of unicorns and the rest <laughs> just fizzled to nothing. That's a pretty yeah. scary proposition for uh, a board. Uh, so, you know, a leadership team yeah. coming up to a board going, hey, you've got to support us in these initiatives. You're pushing us to be initiatives, but we're going to blow it 84% of the time. That's a yeah. tough, that's fun to talk about in these settings. But when the rubber yeah. hits the road in a boardroom environment, that's a pretty tough. So curious what you're seeing in terms of success versus failure rates. And, yeah. and then how, how do we how do we lower that number? <laughs> yeah, so I think it's looking at the, the the there's a lot of failure, but they all have like some common missteps. And so you know, it's okay. first understanding what's those contributing factors. And so some of them are high aspirations without a real strategic focus or a clear mm-hmm. vision of the desired outcomes. Another okay. one might be that they have insufficient investment in digital capabilities to sustain the transformation. And then there's a lack of engagement within the organization. So really what digital transformation is, is change. And so change is uncomfortable for for people. Um, It's like taking your pen and writing it with your name with the other hand. It's not going to feel great for probably a very, very long time. And as such, you know, 
Uh, failure should be embraced, right? Fail fast and fail quickly. And I think what's happening in some cases is these organizations have these beautiful long roadmaps of here's all the you know digital assets that I want to build. Here's all the experiences, the interlinked journeys that I want to create. And some of them are, you know, not thinking about what's the smallest way to test if this will work. You know, what's the easiest way for us to go and validate this? And so, again, when you take these big tech companies, what they were really good at is they built MVPs and they put it in the hands of prospective customers or customers, or they built with a customer and then became a company. And as such, they were, you know, building with feedback and and they were able to, you know, be very, very agile. And some of these organizations are learning to become agile, right? And learning how to become a tech company. So there's a lot of different modalities <clears throat> that these organizations are trying to deal with. And as far as the, the failure part goes, I think working with organizations like us, the benefit is that we've been doing what we've been doing for, for almost 20 years. Like we were born digital and we've been helping organizations um, become digital for over 20 years. So as a result, it's, you know, led to thousands of engagements that we've worked on. Um, you know, we've seen uh, our products and our services and our experiences that we build for for tons of organizations being used by millions of people. And so we can bring in a lot of uh, brain trust and a lot of experience. And, you know, for lack of a better word, we're digital veterans that can come in and help smooth that, uh, that, that road for them. But at the end of the day, we still want them to be empowered to, you know, uh, lead uh, digital transformation. And it should be executed from the inside, but in collaboration with a partner like us. Okay, you led me to, yeah, this perfect yeah. Next question was the balance between what you do in-house versus what you bring in for external. Because most of these companies you're talking about, these are not core competencies that they have. This yeah. is not, quote unquote, what you, becoming a technology company is an interesting way to think about it as yeah. well. But geez, that's not what we do. It's not what we're the best at. We've all been through yeah, a core right. competency exercise in our strat planning sessions. That's yeah. very, probably not a core competency. Is your position that it needs to be going forward? That yeah. it's kind of a make or break that, that you it's have to be like, on the list? Yeah, you can't outsource your business if digital is the future. So, you know, we believe that nice. digital transformation should be led and executed from the inside. But, you know, to win, your team will need to learn how to run a digital enabled business. And, a, you know, and a byproduct of that is you don't need to be in a state of over-reliance on external vendors. They should be there to, you know, complement and supplement your journey. And, and, you know, just like when you're learning a new sport, you go and get a great coach if you're going to go golf. Um you know, there's like the coaching element and it's, it's pr practicing and building up those muscles so that at some point you're able to, you know, hit that golf ball and, and get a hole in one, hopefully. That's an interesting analogy yourself. because you can go and spend, I know, and I have lots of friends that spend yeah. the money on the clubs, the money on the lessons, all the gimmicks and gadgets and so on and so forth. But, but the, the day you show up at the golf course, it's still you, right? So yeah, that's an interesting exactly. kind of comparison of like, yes, you need to surround yourself with, I, I agree with you, get it, get it. Mm -hmm. I just got a golf lesson the other day, uh, yeah. you know, but I know he's not coming with me because if he did, I'd be, <laughs> knocking, I'd be knocking it out of the park. I'm like, no, no, I would like to outsource my golf swing, please, to this gentleman yeah. right here who's been playing for 30 years and he's going to do fantastic. Exactly. You yeah, probably could, but no one would want to play with you. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm taking that. I'm being too literal with that analogy. Yeah, yeah. But that's an interesting perspective when you think about a large organization that has been incredibly successful at good at being doing yeah. something, and now all of a sudden, is are you seeing? Is there reluctance, or is that shifting now over? Because this 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 journey has been happening for years. You know, we're having yeah. a conversation now, but this isn't a this isn't a now no. thing. This has been happening for at some level for the past probably ten years, easily depending on the organizations and, and what space they're in. Mm. So yeah, actually, ninety six percent of leaders. 
uh, reported last or uh, two years ago that COVID-19 accelerated their digital transformation mm. on an average of 5.3 years. And so I agree. Now everyone knows it. And yeah. so they've invested heavily. Um, they're trying to establish competitive advantage. And, you know, you can look at the GDP with 66% of it being digitized uh, this year. It's very, very clear and evident that my future will be digital, especially when basically the economy is, is going that direction, yeah, right? You right. can't fight that. If you follow the money, you're going to, yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. So follow the money and you'll, and you'll see it. And so, I, yeah, the good news is, though, the ones that embraced it early are, are seeing the rewards. They're growing at five times the rate of laggards over the last mm -hmm. three years. So they're now starting to see the, the the return on investment, and they're also writing the playbook of how to successfully uh, transform. Um, For yeah. those companies that adopted early, are you seeing you know because I love that you know Shopify and Peloton like yeah pure digital plays from that. Well, I get Peloton's great because there's there's still hardware. They took a very hardware, very practical in person like analog thing and turned it into. Yeah. You know, using technology to enablement. How much of those early adoption companies would you say have used digital to just remove friction and make it easier for the customer? Versus, and this is just an armchair answer, yeah. of course. Yeah. Versus the ones that have gone and completely, like you know, there's companies I work with that have made it easier to work with them. But Uber changed the taxi business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Uber, Uber, Uber changed the way I get somewhere. Where I have other companies that they're just easier to work with now because they yeah. put digital in place. But their model, their business model is kind of the same. It's just less friction for me to interact with them. So less chance of me getting annoyed and going somewhere else to be really blind. Yeah. The, the, put the consumer filter on. Mm. You know, I think um, sometimes it's not apparent, apparent to us, right? As, as consumers walking into a, you mm. know, like let's say a retail environment where, you know, on the backside, now all of a sudden they're in the cloud. They've got these, um, uh, these digital applications that let's say their consultants are using. Maybe it's around uh, beauty and makeup and they're, you know, um, using it to identify, the type of skin and complexion that you have and recommend products. But all of a sudden that data is now feeding back into mm -hmm. what products should we be building? Uh, you know, what, how much should we be ordering of a certain ingredient? Um, what uh, countries have different, you know, issues with certain things. Right. And I think that sometimes it may not be apparent uh, to us, but um, it will become more apparent um, in the future as their products evolve and as they become better and, and, and they're able to, you know, build things that we didn't even know we needed until they discovered it in the data that they have had for, you know, a very, very long time that they're now they're just yeah. starting to use. That is such a fantastic example of customer service versus customer centricity. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, customer service, I walk in and that person is able to tell me right away using some technology exactly mm -hmm. what skin tone I have, what makeup yeah. I need. I've never had this experience personally, but I can. No, me neither, but I, I, I just heard a story recently. Our female, so our female listeners it. are like, what are you guys talking about? Can't you pick yeah. something that I stay in your lane? Um, probably but, like, why but are they talking about makeup right now? <laughs> yeah, but customer centricity is now. A year from now, I go in and they have the things that I didn't even know I wanted because they mined the data in a way that allowed yeah. them to then preempt and, direct, and, and provide that. And I really like that as a differentiator between good customer service, which I think is table stakes these days because yeah. we all have so much choice, versus yep. customer centricity is when you know what the customer needs and wants before they do. Again, be careful. There's the creepy uh, asterisk on that one again. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of case studies about, I think it was the one around a pregnancy test or something, or someone got sent, right. started getting sending ads for 
uh, diapers because they had recently bought a pregnancy test or something to that effect. And it was like, whoa, you guys took your algorithm and your data way too far. <laughs> and, you, right. and you made it weird. I've read that case study. A few, uh, I've come across a couple of ways. So when yeah. you're sitting down with an organization and you're having that balance of like, because uh, I know you do some work in retail yeah. as well, where you're consumer facing mm -hmm. and like that, that like what can we do for the customer today versus yeah. what can we do with that data? Do, do those, do those conversations end up in a different bucket or are they all still part of this digital transformation conversation? Yeah, I think it's all still part of that digital transformation uh, conversation. I think it goes back to, again, your question of what does it mean to be a digital business? Let's mm. define that. And so defining that is, you know, things like interlinked experience, like we talked about, but they need also dynamic performance. So they need the geographical scale. Uh, they need to be have the agility and security to leverage things like data and AI. Um, they need to be in a state of active innovation. So this may answer your question. So, you know, really what they need to do is think about bringing all functions together. So it's not just customer service. It could be product. It could be, um, uh, you know, I can't remember, like, let's say warranty. Uh, department and okay. they have a challenge and this is that challenge they're mapping out all of the different problems across that journey and then you start to see the solution so you know then they start thinking about how do we deliver value back to everyone that can benefit from this right not only the customer but the business and us as a collective working group and then together they're building it uh, a really awesome story and again it's a little bit on the beauty side but uh we'll go with this uh, we've, got a, we've got a theme, Jason. We've got a yeah, theme. Yeah, we've got a theme. <laughs> uh, so uh, Alta Beauty, uh, when COVID um, hit the first time, they had to close all their retail stores. And so, you know, they were in a state of, well, what do we do? Like, we can't have, you know, beauty advisors going to people's homes. We can't have them coming into stores. And so within three months, they built uh, an AI-powered uh, makeover platform that ended up increasing their, their sales by 30%. And awesome. uh, they were able to do that because they were operating like a technology company. And the other element is they brought all functions together. So they brought the beauty advisors, they brought, you know, the, the people making the products and together they were able to, you know, bring something that had a, a fundamental impact on the business in a really, really difficult time. And, uh, you know, they've got a lot of press around that, but they were able to, to do three years worth of digital trans transformation in less than a year because of, you know, being in a state where they had the agility, they were, you know, had uh, the dynamic performance they needed. They were in a state of operational efficiency and they were continuously moving forward towards, you know, bridging that gap of, of you know, what do our customers need today and what do they need tomorrow? Um, so, yeah. So powerful. So what I'm hearing as well, and, and, and I think this is conversations I've also had of getting everybody in the room and getting that mm -hmm. workflow, whatever it may be mapped out. And it's, you can't automate something if you don't already know how it works kind of, I know that sounds exactly, but when you're having conversations with groups, are you finding, and maybe this is a real, this is, I'm getting into the mm -hmm. weeds now of, of operations of the business side, where do the budgets mm -hmm. come from? Is this like, Oh, this is an it budget, or this is a marketing budget, or oh, this is a, a customer question. experience budget, or is it starting to be looked at? This is a, this is a little bit from everybody's budget. Cause the bigger the company, the more everybody keeps their bug that, you know, the, yeah. there's a little siloing around, around, on the spend right mm -hmm. of course i uh so i i think you know going back 10 years these would have been conversations we would have been having mainly with it and it would have been a lot of spending from it department budgets and now what's happening is it's coming from from business predominantly um because i, I think it's changed so digital didn't need to be at the core of your business or i shouldn't say didn't need to digital in many businesses wasn't core to their business and now it is and as a result business needs to be you know 
you know, operating as a digital business as such, they need to be, you know, making the decisions on how much capital they're going to invest into an initiative. Of course, that needs to be supported by IT. Um, and they're, you know, now looked at as partners walking hand in hand, trying to achieve, you know, ambitious goals. Um, and when they get that, 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 that alignment between those two uh, departments, then, you know, you're able to build and be customer need, right? And, uh, and, and have shared experiences together. So definitely seeing a lot more like versus who, who owns this. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's often, it's kind of feels like everybody's getting on the revenue side of the, of, of the, of the P and L from the perspective of, yeah. like, well, are, you, are you a cost center? You know, the old, you know, Oh, marketing is yeah. sometimes a cost center sales is not it is a cost center. Yeah. When we're really talking about revolutionizing the business, if we're doing it right, everyone kind of gets on the rev ops side. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I, yeah. You, you said it more eloquently than I did, but that's exactly where, <laughs> where I think the, the mindset, that has changed is let's focus on either in- increasing profit, you know, building new revenue streams, um, uh, and uh, improving our operational efficiency are some of the things that are you know top on mind, top of mind for you know the the C suite within these organizations at an enterprise level. But same with mid market, and even if you're a scale up, you're thinking about those things too. Is there any sectors that you see where you know scale ups? If I'm a startup. Yeah. Often these days, it's you say the word startup, it 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 almost implies that it's tech related in some way, or even if they're yeah. revolutionizing an analog business, they're doing it with technology. Then you've yeah. got mid market companies, you've got enterprise, and I, I appreciate that you guys get a bit of a vantage point up and down the chain. Yeah. Is there anywhere that's having that's a what sectors are you seeing? Where are you seeing more movement? Is there anybody that's struggling mm-hmm. with it, or is everybody just kind of having their own journey, if you will? So I there's some common. Uh, struggles across the board. So one is I need to increase my capacity to build. And so there's a digital talent shortage. We all know this. And so they're all looking for really creative ways for, you know, how do I, I you know, bridge the gap on, on the talent side, but also how do I upskill my team to the latest and greatest in, in technology, right? It's changing so rapidly. Um, some organizations are, are really, really good at that because they were born digital and, and they were able to, you know, continually evolve and, and upskill their teams. But there's a lot that even, you know, we're still born digital that are still struggling with that. Um, you know, how do I, you know, make, um, leverage data? Um, you know, um, you know, my team isn't great at, at, at doing that. And so they'll look at building new practice areas, um, within their organization, you know, regardless of kind of size or, or type of business, but there are some like common things that all of them will share. And it's usually around capacity and, and talent and, um, and, uh, upskilling. Talent upskilling. You can't have this conversation without having a talent conversation and you're, yeah. you're based in Toronto and a lot of my yes. guests are in Calgary and we clearly have a, there's different things going on in these markets, but the, 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 the arms race for talent seems to be a global or a universal problem. Oh, yeah. You know, for you guys, obviously you're working with your clients and, and helping them support some of their talent and their upskilling. You have your own team that you're building. Yeah. How's the, how's the arms race been for you guys? Like, are you now with COVID also able to get yeah. access to talent on a more larger geographic footprint than just, yeah. you know, cause in the GTA, if you're more than half an hour away from where you needed to go, that was, you might as well have been in another country because yeah. you guys have a traffic at a whole nother level that we do. Yeah, we do. But I've also been told Tyler, I've worked, I'm a dev. I like, I was remote before remote was cool. So don't even talk to me about the last two years. I was already doing that. Yeah. So I kind of think we fit into that bucket when, when COVID yeah. happened, uh, you know, we, we made the decision to go fully remote. Uh, but about 40% of our workforce, even before that was remote. And we've always believed in hiring where, you know, hiring the best in, in, 
it doesn't matter where they are. Like as a technology company, you should be able to operate, um, you know, not by simply proximity, but uh, of where these people are, but, you know, using the technology that we build or part, you know, of, other part, of, part of being that technology that everyone needs to be a technology company. So I, I like that that, yeah. that, that ability to do that is part of that, that formula. Yeah. And so for us to answer your question, we've been extremely lucky, you know, maybe it's because we've been in business for 20 years and, and we've always put an emphasis on, you know, people and culture. I really believe that's what separates, you know, the, the great companies from the, you know, the ones that truly stand out and make a dent in, in the universe. And so, you know, I just look at, and you look at data and facts as ways to support, you know, how we're doing. And so we have a 95% employee retention rate. Uh, we, you know, we've uh, last year uh, won three different awards for greatest places to work. Top, I think it's 50 tech companies in, in that list. Um, nice. And, uh, and yeah, and our employee net promoter score is 85%. Yeah, so for us, I think being born digital and, you know, having one of our benefits is you can work on many different things. And as yeah. a result, you yourself are upskilling, yeah. right? And we put a huge emphasis on uh, certifications and, you know, uh, thought leadership and a, a byproduct of every engagement that we do should be that we're able to transfer the capabilities that we have for that specific engagement to uh, that organization to empower them to, to run that digital enabled business. Um, yeah. Well, that's, I, I appreciate, you know, never underestimate the power of a good culture and retention, especially yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in an employee market where there is just talent gaps everywhere and, and you're yeah. competing with, your clients are also your competition now when it comes to mm -hmm. who's going to hire those resources where maybe five to 10 years ago, that was a different formula. Yeah. One of the things uh, that I mean, you're that's right, a, yeah, sorry, go oh, ahead. Sorry, no, no, that's a good point, actually. So you've got like construction companies that are going to become tech companies, that are coming from tech companies. Yeah. And then you've got Google that's, you know, hiring as well. And so, you know, the construction company now has an interesting challenge of how do I build an environment that will attract the talent that would, you know, traditionally maybe let's say go to a Google or an organization like us. Right. Um, well, that employer branding is such a, you know, it's one of, it's, it's sometimes the one of the least or certainly low on the list of get talks about in the world of, of marketing and brand and how important it is. Mm -hmm. And we all chase this customer audience but it's easy with the companies that overlook the fact that your current and potential employees are very much one of your key stakeholder groups that oh, you yeah. need to target and speak to and, 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 you know, make their lives better every day. Do it at your peril, I guess. Yeah. So, well, here's the, here's the kicker to that. Again, it goes back to 88% of us want businesses to increase their digital initiative. doesn't matter if I work for you or if I'm a customer, I just want mm. you to do better. I want you to make this better for me. And so as a result, just mm -hmm. as many businesses are trying to, you know, bridge that gap uh, to becoming digital and, it, you know, it, we see the driver being customer side, it's equally as much on the employee side as well. That's a, that, that, thank, yes, thank you. Because it's so easy to put that filter on just purely looking at the customer or the user of your product. Yeah. Or but no, it's exactly. everyone who interacts with your organization. Well, yeah, that yeah. is a kicker. <laughs> that is a kicker. It is a kicker, right? Because now yeah. you have like... Many different stakeholders that you may have not had a couple of years ago that you were trying to uh, 
Um, you did, you, you know, did, you should have then as well. It's just, yeah, of course. Now that it was, <laughs> you yeah. know, what I mean? it's never not yeah. been true. It's just now yeah. the consequences are more severe. Kind of ignore, ignore it at, your, at, at your, at your peril. One of the yeah, other elements exactly. that in, in your article, as I was kind of reading through it was, uh, and it's just, uh, I love a good acronym and I hadn't had yeah. this one. Anyone talk about this in the show, the build operate transfer or bot, <laughs> yeah. uh, which it's really, it's maybe self-explanatory, but it's just, I've never had anyone really bring it up of how important that yeah. is for when you're getting those external partners. Cause again, as companies, yeah. we rely on our pick crews, right? All these vendors that we surround ourselves with to get us there. But yeah. like what I heard you loud and clear using the golf analogy, I've still got to eventually hit the ball on my own. So how yeah. critical <laughs> is it when you bring in a partner, when you part, when you have a vendor, because sometimes yeah. vendors are looking for that lifetime partnership, those golden handcuffs. Yeah. What I'm what I'm hearing in your article is that's not, you got to be really careful with that when you're the client who's hiring these yeah these educated and like sometimes yep. saviors for your business that you're not creating a set of golden handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I mean, we've been blessed. Uh, most of the companies that we work with have been with us for over a decade. I know that's really, really rare in our industry. Uh, you know, it's usually like a year or two. Mm -hmm. And I it's, think that it's, it's very transient. Yes. It's like marketing space as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and so maybe that's a byproduct of that, you know, I think what we believe our, our role is, um, is to really empower organizations to build digital value and the capabilities that they need uh, at a rapid pace, but doing this uh, simultaneously. And so bot uh, or build, operate, transfer is that model that comes into play to help us do that. And so mm -hmm. it's really the perfect method for businesses, businesses that are ready to transform, but they lack the necessary digital capabilities and talent to do so successfully. Um, you know, they probably run tons of, um, you know, like pilots to prove that they can create digital value. But when you start thinking about it on a larger scale, that's usually when, you know, things start to, to fall off at the seams. And so hmm. what, with Bot, you're basically enlisting the help of a partner like Build with Assembly to stand up, build, operate, and then eventually transition back to digital asset. So asset being whether it's an application, cloud infrastructure, or platform. But during each phase of that, our team is working alongside their team and they're learning and being supported by market leading, you know, digital talent that's certified in the latest technologies and they're highly experienced. And, you know, the, the byproduct is by the time that they're ready as an organization to transfer back that asset, their team now has the capabilities required to manage support and innovate um, moving forward. And so the ROI is much more impactful, right? It's not just about I built this digital asset, I built this digital asset and I and we helped collectively upskill the team. And I say collectively because it has to be just as much driven by us as, as the people who want to learn and grow and, and thrive and, and build these new skills. I really appreciate, you know, quantifying the difference between, you know, like my words, but the excitement around building something, but you've got to yeah. operationalize it. It's got to meet the real world. You know, the best that's brands right. never survive encountering the customer. So if yeah. that team that's now operationalizing that, this new piece of technology, because sometimes at first it actually doesn't make their life better. It makes their life more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, definitely. back to, you know, change management is a whole nother episode, which we won't, you know, that's a yeah. huge factor. <laughs> yeah. and back to yeah. like, when you think about 85% of your stakeholders want you, that's everybody. It's not just your customers. That's such a good yeah. filter to put on it so obvious. I love those obvious statements. You're like, well, yeah, duh, no kidding. But <laughs> yeah. it, it's so easy to always think outwardly, think about the customer and the user or the or the, or the elusive potential customer, that new sale right. that you're going to make. But yeah. when you're when you're onboarding new technology, so rather than you guys going away doing a project, you know, here you go, here's your project, it's done with a ribbon on it. Yeah. Like, one, that's not how digital works. It's never done. It's right. just at a different stages of iteration. I love the collaboration yeah. and going in with that mindset as a company that you're not hiring away your problem. <laughs> you're, no, you're, you're hiring. Not 
a partner to then solve it knowing that you're on the journey forever. Like it's like, you know, the simplification yeah. in our world, you launch a campaign. Well, what part of it worked? Where were you right? Like it's the, there isn't this one and done mindset that I think our world used no. to be a lot more, you know, you build it and it's done. We're now, no, building it is just the first, barely even the first step of, of the learning when you actually start taking it out for a drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's, hmm. again, the goal of digital transformation is to be able to quickly evolve to new business needs and adjust uh, to meet those needs through combinations of technology, process, and workforce uh, management. And so our job is never done. Hiring us won't you know, make you over-reliant if um, we're able to get, you know, pass along those capabilities to your team to then move forward. Because today it may be you know, building cloud-native software or modernizing your applications to take advantage of the cloud. And tomorrow it will be something else that comes out in technology that will then you know, help your business you know, bridge that gap Again, whatever that gap might be is still to be, you know, seen. But well, to your point, whatever it might be, because it's going to be different. No matter how long we talk today, we're going to learn yeah. something tomorrow that we just simply, we just simply don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and you, I mean, it's re- sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I just think it's you know these are some of those small little things that you can do to beat the odds of going back to that eighty-four percent, right? So, to those, yeah. you know, the question that you originally proposed was, you know, how do you build confidence in these boards that you know. Hey, we should be spending this. Well, you have to, but you know, how do you, how do you get them to, you know, feel that you're not going to fail? Well, that's one way is using a build operate transfer way of working because every organization since inception has always invested in the people mm-hmm. and that's in essence what you're doing. And then another thing that, you know, most businesses have done is they've partnered with others. And so, you know, another key thing is we've seen over 89% of the top companies globally have built a robust uh, ecosystem of trusted technology partners where their mission is to help that business become digital at its core. And, you know, and it goes against what a lot of people are saying is like, don't partner. It's like, no, you need to, because there's always going to be a new technology that you don't know. And you well, might you look at the best companies really in the world and that's what they're doing. You know, you can take exactly. a lot. Like, so, so much yeah. we, we try to recreate the wheel sometimes, but like, you know, 89% of top companies globally, that's a powerful statistic. Have yeah. a team. And like, I always use the pit crew analogy. The driver isn't changing his own tires, but he knows they need to get changed. Like, yeah, you know, just, like, yeah we've, we've got golf. We did beauty. We did uh, yeah. formula one. Like we've, we've covered it good. <laughs> we've I think got a lot of I don't think, examples. Yeah. I don't like, I know sports analogies are dangerous, but I think we've had a balanced yeah. kind of analogy. We have, we have, we definitely. No, that, I really appreciate the, yeah, go ahead. No, I presented it. No. You're giving me a cool perspective to kind of think about it a little bit differently, a little bit more broad. And I love the kind of the yeah. building it together versus we're here to do yeah. a project for you and then we leave afterwards. Or we just go to the next yeah. project. It's ongoing because it's we're actually helping with your business, not just yeah. with some project in your business. That's very different. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's another shift that's happened too is companies like ours in the past may have been focused very much on here's this asset that we need to build and we're yeah. done. Yeah. We're so much more focused on the outcome that we're trying to achieve and this shared mission and, and vision for it. And that's our job. It's not, you know, we must achieve this outcome and we're not done until we do that. We're builders by nature. That's like within our DNA. It's, it's very apparent within our company. You know, that's where, that's where we get excited. And so, you know, there's something rewarding about hitting a goal as a builder. It's, it's, it's very, very fulfilling. Um, but then the second, any, any good builder I know is like, well, geez, this is how I would do it better. This is how I would right. fix it because when yeah. it's in your DNA, you're always tweaking, right? You're always, yeah. you always got the wrenches out, you know, going, well, I think I can get a little more here, a little more there or whatever. Yeah. The, the, you know, I love it. It's, it's like, we're all kind of going back to that, that maker culture of like, we're always, it's, it's never, it's never done. It's always opportunity to improve it. But you exactly. know, that's the point about having a plan and working 
into like, okay, well, we got this because of this, uh, we learned that let's keep that going. And I've seen yeah. a lot of companies, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday, like the risk of putting it on the shelf. Oh, we did it done. We mm. can put that binder on the, the old binder on the shelf. Oh, we did the safety yeah. report. We'll just put it on the shelf. That's also not how the world is going to benefit from the amount of cost no. and energy it takes to apply to these initiatives. Oh. Mm. I have another interesting analogy. Um, um, a week ago, I took in my, uh, my bass guitar to get uh, set up, obviously, with the weather change from cold to, or from okay. warm to yep. cold, rather. Yep. Um, and, and I don't do it. Uh, and it's simply because I don't know when to stop. When is, like, when is that last adjustment just <laughs> enough? And so, you know, the, the guitar tech is able to make that, that, that determination and save me a lot of time from sitting there at, one, you know, at night just tweaking things just for the sake of, I can get it better, I can get it better. Um, and I think that's another benefit of, you know, using this ecosystem of technology partners is we can help, you know, stop that because, you know, builders by nature are, are you know, we just want to build and get it better and better and better. But maybe, you know, that's where our blinders come on and we can look at a totally different direction and see another opportunity that we might have missed. But having a balance of partners, I like that. No, no, I don't know when to stop. Like that's an interesting, but someone who's more skilled in a certain area of your business or an aspect of it has got a set yeah. of filters like, no, 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 this is actually because oftentimes as leaders and as executive teams, we're trying to accomplish so many things and we're yeah. not always experts in each one of those things. And that can be very challenging because yeah. you're like, is it good enough? And then it's like, it's the never good enough syndrome, which can also kill you as an organization because then you yeah. start, literally start chasing, chasing projects around in circles. Yeah, uh, so it's such an interesting thing you come back to, you think about digital transfer, it's so easy to lean on the technical side, but it is still a very, yeah. it's change management, it's the right teams, it's integrating people together, it's making sure that there's a level of milestones, so we can feel that we were successful, but then we're always gathering and learning so that we can move to the next phase, ultimately removing those friction points for everybody involved. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's not easy. It's easy to understand why it's difficult to do well, right? <laughs> when you consider yeah, all the variables exactly. we talked about today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I think we, uh, we had talked earlier about like how many organizations are like now in the state of, of, of adopting digital. And, and so mm -hmm. it's 89% of businesses. So it's, it's, <laughs> if you're not doing it, you're that, you're that little percentage that uh, is trying to figure out what to do. And there's great, uh, there's great risk with that, right? Like we've seen it over the last 20 years with fortune 500 companies. Yeah. The where companies the, like what is it used to be the X amount of percentage were on there for 50 years. And now they're basically not even on there for five years or there's some yeah. crazy stats around that. I used to know the stats off offhand, of, yeah. you know, basically, uh, you know, evolve or die kind of. To, yeah. To over 50, over 50% are, are gone. And, you know, they've been erased by competitors or merged or, you know, acquired. But, um, you know, because I, I the, just say that the customer, the customer demanded something different and you weren't. Yeah. Able to or the employees were like, hey, there's this other organization that's doing this way better and I'm going to go there. Right. Yeah. No, it's a very real, it's a very real factor. But Jason, thanks yeah. so much for sharing your perspective. I love a good old thanks. fashioned conversation. And this is a big one that we can probably go on for days and days. Oh, yeah. Because I know yeah. you I, you live in this world, but for people listening, you know, my goal is to always give people perspective. We gave them a few stats, a few places yeah. to look because you, you're either an organ, you're, it's very rare that if you're listening to this episode, you're not somehow involved in this journey. So I, my hope is always yeah. it gives people a different perspective. And ultimately, if they want to reach out to you guys and have a chat, what's, what's the best way? Obviously, what's the best way to get a hold of you or what's the best way to learn more about the organization uh yeah so we can go on to our website it's uh, assemblyhq.com um yeah, right on. you can email me jason.mcfadden uh, at uh, assemblyhq.com um and i think those are probably the the easiest ways uh, to I'm get a hold I'm of sure, me i'm sure i know you're on linkedin so i'm sure they can uh, yeah oh yeah linkedin so yeah. many ways to find Thank us you. These how could i forget yeah. linkedin how <laughs> no, could i forget LinkedIn? <laughs>
Yeah. But uh, no, I've enjoyed it. And I've, we've had an, a working relationship with you guys uh, between our two organizations. Yeah. Uh, you know, it probably for, for 10 years, 10 or 11 years. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Where we actually are exactly that. We are two vendors that support the same client, but yet end yeah. up working together, bringing both our skill sets to the table. So I was, I'm yeah. proud to say that we're actually a living, breathing example of what that looks like when two yeah, organizations work really together well to provide value yeah. to a large yeah. enterprise organization that looks at us both differently, but expects us both to get along really well. And we have. Yeah. <laughs> Not, exactly. It's, it's and a key to that, both those, all, the, all three of those relationships are critical. Mm-hmm. And they do, and they do. I know the, the the organization we're talking about in particular, and they do something really, really well, which is they're able to rally, you know, this ecosystem partners together. Uh, egos are dropped at the door, and it's outcome focused. And because of that, you know, our organizations have benefited from you know that you know decade long relationships. And as entrepreneurs and, and business leaders, that's such a it's such an important thing to have those foundational clients and they, they help you build your, your organization. Um, they do. Yes. Sometimes more than yeah. you realize actually. Yeah, of 100%. course. Yeah. Yes. That's a very yeah. true statement. Jason, yeah. thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Always enjoy our conversations. I'm glad we were yes. able to, uh, to share it on the podcast. So my friend, yes. thank you. Very, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me.